tonight on Revolt Black News Weekly. My body, my choice! Roe versus Wade overturned. What the Supreme Court's actions mean for black women caught in the fight. I think this is incredible for black women. But I have to correct the sister. Love you, girl. Then, Brittany Griner ordered to trial in Russia. What will this mean for the WNBA star's path to freedom as we go black all over the world? Plus, black America's health crisis. As the country faces a shortage of black doctors, who is caring for our communities? It's all the disparities that we as blacks deal with here in America. Then the BET Awards take over as Diddy's icon status reaches a new plateau. I love, love the, vote, the voice of the black world. Pow. I've got all the award show details on the carpet and our exclusive backstage access in the remix. Real slick with the phone. Caught your ass. Mariah, you did so well. It's all so good as... The Black News Revolution starts right now. Diddy takes top honors at the culture's biggest night in music and fashion. I'm talking about the BET Awards. Hey everyone, I'm Kennedy Rue and I've got all the details from the red carpet. Well, that definitely looked like it was a great night, Kennedy. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Rochelle Ritchie, in for Naima Abdullahi. We'll get to all things BET, but first, we begin with the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. The controversial federal protection of a woman's right to an abortion now turned to the states. That shift prompted protests nationwide. So what is next for black women in America? That's tonight's top story. At the Supreme Court today, an historic upheaval. We have just received word of a decision in one of the most consequential cases before the Supreme Court in decades. The Supreme Court on Friday expressly took away a constitutional right from the American people. This is a constitutional principle that has been upheld by justices appointed by Democrats and by Republican presidents. The law of the land for nearly 50 years was struck down in a 5-4 to four decision. Justice Samuel Alito wrote the majority opinion that overturned Roe v. Wade. Three of the justices voting in the majority, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, all appointed by former President Donald Trump. This does not mean that abortion is automatically outlawed across the country. It does not mean that. What this ruling says is that states will have to figure it out. And so depending on which state you live in, that will determine whether or not you have access to abortion. Women will be in control of their bodies. And if they think black women are intimidated or afraid, they got another thought coming. The ruling, with nearly two-thirds of women disapproving, unleashed a frenzy of celebrations and protests from both sides and triggered a handful of states to immediately outlaw abortions, with many more to come. what we expect, which is additional laws to be passed by state legislatures across the country, um, is that in probably about 26 states, abortion will be illegal. I know that women of color, particularly black women, will be heavily impacted by this ruling. Black women are already suffering at disproportionate rates compared to their white counterparts um, from maternal mortality. I have two strikes. I'm black and I'm a woman. I don't have rights to my own uterus. I'm walking around with a uterus and I can't even say it's mine. 
Black women make up the majority of abortion patients nationally, a statistic according to the Guttmacher Institute, which supports abortion rights, is driven by a lack of access to contraceptives. We know that our criminal legal system is disproportionately biased against black and brown folks. The next step will be to criminalize abortion. And with that, you will see that pregnancies that don't end in a live birth will be questioned. The only option for black women living in the South and Midwest, where the abortion ban is most concentrated, is to cross state lines, which may be unaffordable. Those who are the wealthiest will always have access to abortion. The burden has always disproportionately fell on those who are low income, those who um, are black and brown. And so we've always carried the burden and this ruling just increases it. Here to join me for more on this conversation is social justice journalist and filmmaker Lisa Durden and anti-abortion activist Savannah Craven. Lisa, I want to start with you. I see you waving there. Now, many black women across America are obviously concerned about this decision for different reasons. Where do you stand on this decision and its impact? I have a message for white women. First of all, 38% of all abortions are performed on white women. So I got to tell white women, call your cousins. White women, call your cousins. You white women, the ones who did this, voted against your interests, and then you decided to vote for Donald Trump, a megalomaniac. Then when he got into office, he appointed three Republican Supreme Court justices, which is precisely now why we have Roe v. Wade. So I'm sick of people screaming, vote, 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 because Black women have been voting in mass for decades. So Lisa, let me get Savannah into this really quick. Uh, Savannah, what's your reaction to what you hear Lisa saying as far as this being sort of the fault of white women that supported Donald Trump? Yeah, so I would say Black people specifically came out in mass numbers and actually voted uh, conservative in 2020. And to blame something specifically on a specific race or a specific gender is just very odd to me, because considering we had the most diverse Supreme Court that we've had literally in the past 50 years uh, that did decide to make this decision, I'm just a little confused on what Lisa means by that. And how do you, and Savannah, you I mean. and Savannah, how do you think that this has, and, and Lisa, I'll come back to you, give me one second, but Savannah, how do you think this has specifically impacted uh, black women? I think this is incredible for black women. We do know that the abortion industry for the past 50 years has targeted specifically black people. Over 19 million of us have been ripped from our mother's womb. We know that Margaret Sanger was a proud and open eugenicist and racist. She has a quote that she said in 1932, we don't want word to get out that we are trying to exterminate the Negro population. So now that Roe v. Wade is overturned, over 800 lives every single day are gonna be saved. And we are going to have more black people. And I think that's amazing. Lisa, your response? Yeah, let me address two things. Number one, I have to correct the sister. Love you, girl. But the Supreme Court justice is not, the Supreme Court is not diverse. Calling the Supreme Court diverse because they have one black man who, that's questionable, one black woman who's just gotten on the, on the justice now after 200 years of no black women, and one Latina woman. That is not diversity. Number two, let me see. You're saying that this racist woman 
who created the ability for people to get an abortion is causing black women these harms. We know that a human being in the womb, a fetus, an embryo, whatever you want to call it, that's not something we come from. That is something that we once were. And we know that human rights are important and that life begins in the womb. So therefore, we should be protected from the moment we come into existence. But, you know, some people, Savannah, would say that women are also human and they have rights as well. I mean, what do you say to those women that maybe it's not a financial reason why they're not, uh, while they're getting an abortion, but what do you say to that woman that has a health condition or that woman that has been raped or that little girl that has been raped or impregnate, impregnated by incest? What do you say to those people? Yeah, so absolutely. So rape is obviously an incredibly disgusting crime. It's a heinous crime. And the person who commits a crime such as that should be locked away for the rest of their lives. Some may argue that they should even receive the death penalty. But if a woman does conceive in that sort of situation, we have to recognize the humanity of that child, that the fact that rape is an incredible act of violence. And we know that abortion is an act of violence because the whole purpose of it is to end the life of an unborn child. So we don't follow up violence with another act of violence. A woman who has gone through something like that, by her getting an abortion, it's not going to erase what happened to her. It's also literally giving more rights to the rapist because most of the time rapists don't receive the death penalty. So why should the child receive the death penalty for their father's crimes? We didn't ask to be here. I have friends that were conceived in rape that were put up for adoption or they were parented by uh, their biological mother and they're living amazing lives and they are still human. When you're pregnant, you already have a child. So. Well, that was you, a very no, no, spirited conversation, Lisa and Savannah. I know you all can both hear me. Right. So thank you again for joining us. I'm, like I said, we <laughs> can go you. on about this for quite some time. Obviously, it's going to be a debate that we're going to be having for months to come. Thank you both again. Wait, you going to be my surgeon, Dr. Andrews? I sure will. And y'all two going to be with him? Yeah. My lucky day. Three doctors of color taking care of me. Doctors who won't talk down to me. That is Hill Harper in the white coat from the ABC drama, The Good Doctor, which will return for a new season on October 3rd. Welcome back. Tonight, we are taking the scalpel by the hand to examine the shortage of black physicians at a time when there's so much skepticism in black communities about healthcare. How do we boost the number and close the gap when it comes to black doctors? When you look at the distribution of physicians, it's pretty disturbing. We definitely have a crisis taking place in this country, and that crisis has only been impacted um, only very recently. The numbers are stark. While black Americans comprise roughly 13% of the population, the percentage of black doctors stands at only 5%. And in the last 40 years, the numbers have been declining. Research from the New England Journal of Medicine shows that in 1978, black men accounted for 3.1% of the medical student body. By 2019, that figure dipped to 2.9. Uh, just a few years ago, some 80 to 90% of all the black dermatologists in this country either attended Howard or were trained at Howard University Hospital. And you think of one institution taking on that kind of a responsibility for the whole country, that's problematic. The causes for such a systemic problem are varied. 
beginning with widespread racism that includes inequities in education and generational wealth, leading to a fundamental racial disparity for a profession that, on average, leaves medical school graduates with $200,000 in student debt. I spent 13 years preparing to be a surgical oncologist. And so it's a lot of time that gets put in where you're nutting off certain life decisions for longer. The assumption is not that I'm a doctor um, when I walk into the room. A lack of black representation in the medical field leads to racial bias among some white patients who refuse to see past skin color when seeking treatment. You may be practicing in a facility where you're one of, um, you know, two or three who look like you. There have been instances where I've gone into a patient room in the hospital only to be asked, where's the real doctor? I've experienced that many times. Where's the real doctor? I've even had someone refuse my care. Such unfortunate incidents were dramatized on Grey's Anatomy. I'll wait for a different doctor. A different doctor? You mean you want a white doctor? Out of the 170 medical schools in the U.S., only four are historically black. Meharry in Nashville, Morehouse in Atlanta, Charles R. Drew University in Los Angeles, and Howard University in Washington, D.C., creating a self-fulfilling loop. A lack of black medical schools leads to a lack of black doctors, which leads to a lack of role models for young black men and women. There are a lot of black men who don't even know that this is an opportunity that they should aspire to. Right. Because they've never seen a black male physician. I don't have nobody in my family that's a doctor, so I want to step up and hopefully I can help people that's in need. Dr. Frederick says Howard University is working hard to fill the gap by finding students from challenging circumstances who are willing to serve in underserved communities. They get to expand on where they want to practice medicine and why, and who they want to treat and why, and so on. And I think that helps give students an opportunity who otherwise wouldn't get an opportunity. And there are other reasons to be hopeful. This year, the number of first-year black students increased by 10.5% nationwide. A recently introduced bill seeks to provide $1 billion in funding to help young doctors of color. And billionaire Michael Bloomberg donated $100 million to help alleviate medical debt for black physicians. What we've done with that money is to decrease the debt of each student that qualifies by $100,000. And that has been transformative because we're now seeing students taking bigger risks because they have less debt. When you realize that, oh wow, because of me, because I was here today, I was able to help someone who looked just like my mom or my sister or my brother, um, it makes all of it worth it. Joining me to bring more perspective are Dr. Simone Whitmore and Dr. Contessa Metcalf, who are among the cast of Bravo's Married to Medicine, which is back, y'all, for a new season, July 10th. Ladies, welcome to Revolt. So happy to have you here. One of the things that's so interesting about seeing black doctors on television is that the number of black doctors is so scarce. I was looking at a, at a report from UCLA that showed the number of black doctors has only increased by 4% over the last 120 years. Why do you think that is? And it's even worse with black men, black yeah. male doctors. It's even lower. I mean, like, they did a study um, comparing 1978 
to like, you know, like last couple of years, it's actually lower than it was in 1978. Yeah. And but so I think it just fits all the disparities that mm -hmm. we as blacks deal with here in America. We're dying the most of breast cancer. We're dying the most of colon cancer. We're dying the most in childbirth and postpartum. I mean, it fits that we would not have a significant number of black physicians. How do you think this affects black people, you know, in the community? I mean, a lot of us are kind of scared to go to the doctor. We don't really trust doctors. How does not having enough black doctors and not there not being enough of an effort to increase that number, how does that really affect our, our health as black people? And it's kind of a vicious cycle, right? So you emulate what you see. And so if you're not seeing black doctors, which is why our show to me is so important, then you don't think that that's even a possibility for yourself. And if you're being constantly told what your value is, that you're inadequate, you're not as smart as, and you can't do this, and you know you probably should stem to something more creative because you can't handle STEM, science and math. And that's kind of what happens, and that's why education is so important, equality of education, no matter what zip code you live in, no matter what socioeconomic status you are in, you know whether you're from a two-parent or one-parent household, those things all trickle up, right? Because what happens is education is kind of like a funnel, but it's upside down. And so at the beginning, everyone is educated. But as it gets, you know, you get higher up, even a high school graduation, black people have a lower percentage of being high school graduates and then go to college. And then, of course, that transfers over to medical school. What do you hope to see as a result of you all being the, you know, the, the black faces in medicine on television that we are watching? Do you hope that that inspires younger people to pursue careers in STEM and in particular in medicine? Absolutely. Being on television allows other little brown girls in America to see we're just normal people living our normal, humble lives. Uh, not everybody has a humble life. You know, we all yeah. came from humble beginnings mm -hmm. and being able to share that we're just everyday people right. in your living room. And hopefully that encourages some little brown girls and boys to know that they can become doctors. And obviously, ladies, I have to get your opinion on this. Roe v. Wade overturned um, protests across the nation. Uh, Ten seconds, just both of your reactions to that. We saw it coming. And we, you know, if you think about, unfortunately, who's disproportionately affected, of course, black people, poor people. And it's really an issue about what happens. So now you're going to have these children, right? We're making people have babies. Are we going to support the mothers? Are we going to support the families? And we're going to support the children. And that's, to me, the problem, is that it stops with people being pro-life, but they don't want to support after, after that woman is pregnant and going to talking about mortality. But black mamas have a two and a half to three times more likely chance of dying yeah. in childbirth and postpartum. Yeah. And to see that if, you know, she's already having medical complications, that she could not terminate her pregnancy by her choice. Yeah, it's very is scary. devastating. Dr. Contessa, Dr. Simone, thank you so much for joining us here on Revolt Black News Weekly. We are definitely going to have you back for more conversations. Thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now, let's take you around the globe and explore the important headlines, beginning with WNBA star Brittany Griner on trial in a Russian courtroom. That kicks off this week's Black All Over the World.
This week, a trial date has finally been set for WNBA All-Star Brittany Griner. Lawyers for the Phoenix Mercury Stars say her trial could last months after the July 1st start date. The U.S. considers Griner wrongfully detained and has assigned its hostage affairs envoy to her case. But many are still stunned that more drastic action hasn't been taken to bring the two-time gold medalist home. Monday's court appearance was the first time Griner has been seen publicly in weeks, fueling already heightened concerns about her condition and treatment. And tragedy in East London, South Africa on Sunday after a late night celebration turned deadly. We need justice because we don't know what happened. Authorities still have no clear explanation after 20 teenagers were found dead at a local nightclub and dozens more hospitalized or missing. The group ages 13 to 17 gathered on Saturday to celebrate the end of school exams. And a tweet, Cyril Ramaphosa echoed the concerns of devastated families demanding to know why the venue would admit and serve alcohol to minors. Investigators are awaiting toxicology reports and suspect the deaths are related to something ingested or inhaled at the venue. And at the U.S. southern border, the Biden administration is still being criticized for expelling nearly 4,000 Haitian migrants on 36 deportation flights in May. This is according to a New York Times report. Migrants have been fleeing to escape gang violence, political unrest, rising poverty, and the list goes on. But once the migrants make it to the U.S. border, they risk deportation back to their home country. Now to Sudan. The U.N. is condemning the continued crackdown on protesters in the country. The organization is calling for all protesters who are detained to be released. One protester was recently shot dead, which sparked outrage and frustration. According to the Sudan Doctors Committee, more than 4,400 people have been wounded since the coup. All right, coming up next, Kennedy is here with all things BET Awards. Yes, and I've got all the details from backstage that you didn't see. It's all in the remix. That's next. Welcome back to Revolt Black News Weekly. I'm Kennedy Rue with this week's Entertainment Remix. And we jumpstart the headlines with Diddy taking top honors one more time and adding yet another accolade to his shelf of awards. These are the moments you didn't see on the BET Awards. Mariah Carey hurried off stage just seconds after her surprising powerful duet with Lotto. Only revolt cameras catching Lizzo right after her opening number and a quick wardrobe change and then Bruno Mars not letting anything go unnoticed. Jack Harlow brought Brandy to his glamorous stage and Billy Porter delivered high energy ballroom sass. You're nominated today. How does it... I just have to say, shout out to BT. Then four-time nominee Chloe Bailey delivered what may have been her most sensual surprise to date. Good job, Chloe. Ate it up. 
And as Netflix premiered the rise of Diddy in Can't Stop, Won't Stop, a bad boy story. I'm getting up out of this ghetto and I'm going to do it in a fly way. We spotted a masked Kanye West just off stage minutes before he joined an all-star tribute celebrating the cultural icon's legacy. He inspires so many of my choices, so many of my life choices, my wife choices. But today is not about me. Today is about my mother. Ma, I love you. This is your day. He has made so many contributions to culture and just all of the talent he tapped. Like all of the music we listen to. If it's about damn time, we give him his flowers. I love, love both. The voice of the black world. Pow! I hope you're ready for action. Everybody wants to be represented in film and television because that, that lets, you know, it's like, hey, I exist. And despite an international controversy, Lightyear co-star Kiki Palmer strongly defends Pixar's gay kiss. It's actually banned in a dozen countries. Are you surprised by that? I hate to say it, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all because every time that you know people try to move things forward, there's always gonna be people that are gonna try and push it down. And I think that a lot of times in film and TV, it's kind of been like <laughs> intentionally wiped out, whether it be LGBTQ+, women in leadership, black women in leadership, all of those things have actually, I think there's been a, like a huge disservice of making sure that those stories aren't told. Um, and so for us to actually say, okay, we're gonna show the world as, it's, as it exists, and also as it's always existed, is important. Hey, my name is Shauna. And I'm Mia. We got something cooking for y'all. The American Black Film Festival welcomed their ambassador, Issa Rae, to Miami. Issa proudly brought her new HBO Max series, Rap Shit, to close out the week-long celebration. Talk to me about being here at ABFF 2022, getting one of your initial starts here, and then bringing Rap Shit here this year. I mean, it's kind of a full circle moment. It's absolutely a full circle moment, and to have a show that is set in Miami, uh, kind of loosely based on my experiences at ABFF is also like super, super full circle. And I just feel proud, you know? I feel proud to have the ABFF co-sign. I feel proud to showcase uh, this movie that's, uh, that's centering, you know, three black women, black people at a black film festival. Like there's... We in the middle of a bad renaissance. This is my audience. And I think that it's so important to acknowledge like that we need these platforms to be successful. And some new music news this week. Cardi B dropped her latest single. Chris Brown's Breezy blew away the charts, showing a solid spot in the first week of release. Drake holds Billboard's top 200 spot with his latest album, Honestly Nevermind. Of course, Beyonce continues to break my soul, the single becoming the anthem of the summer, ahead of the release of B's next album, Renaissance, which is expected this month. All right, switching gears to the notable cases we've been following, beginning with the trial of Eric Holder, who's accused of murdering Nipsey Hussle in South Los Angeles. It's our gavel-to-gavel -gavel coverage of who's caught inside the system. Eric Holder behind bars and under attack. The man on trial for shooting Nipsey Hussle in 2019 got into a brawl with multiple individuals, according to his attorney. This is a very 
emotionally charged case, right? You have gang members, active gang members, that can be dangerous on another uh, a bunch of different levels. Law student A.B. Burns Tucker, a California resident tracking the case, revealed to Revolt Black News Weekly the latest developments in and outside the courtroom. I know we've seen like Cowboy, he's been there. You know, that's one of Nipsey's close friends and he has, you know, done videos showing that he's live and, and things of that nature. But there are not, they're not letting any um, bystanders inside, right? There's no cameras inside after opening statements. Before cross-examination paused this week due to Holder's jailhouse scuffle, opening statements from both sides weighed in on the moments leading up to when Nipsey Hussle was shot and killed. So now we see that there are other witnesses that were there. Um, there were two other victims that were actually shot at the time. Those victims were supposed to be testifying. However, we do have one witness that has not showed up. The DA had to issue a bench warrant. The DA mentioned this in his early in his opening statements, right? He did say, like, look, this, this is a gang case, you know, these different type of people, they move a different way. Never before seen surveillance video of the shooting in front of Nipsey's Marathon clothing store was also shown in court as the defense for Holder argued whether this was premeditated murder. The defense did their opening statement and they are arguing that this was a heat of passion crime, right? So they're trying to mitigate it from first degree, which would be a life sentence to like a voluntary manslaughter or something like that, which would give him less time. The defendant would have an opportunity to get out of prison. So what a heat of passion, basically what you're saying is like, I wasn't mentally there. Like I didn't have the mental state to actually commit this crime. I didn't think about it. I was provoked to a place where I let off. I, I couldn't think about it. You know, I just did what I was gonna do. And singer R. Kelly faces decades in prison following his conviction in federal court last year on racketeering and sex trafficking charges. Seven of Kelly's victims delivered impact statements to U.S. District Court Judge Ann Donnelly, who handed down Kelly's sentence. I think that everybody deserves due process, and if you're found guilty, then you need to be held accountable. I have a nine-year-old daughter, so it's a very emotional matter uh, when we think about our little girls. Welcome back. Now to our Stand Up For series. Kennedy Roos sits down with WNBA superstar Jonquel Jones, who is making an impact on and off the court, speaking up and speaking out for women. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy, Spitty, here from DGB, a.k.a. Dirty Glove Bastards, Off The Porch Podcast. Now, if you're a fan of artist interviews, then make sure to check out and subscribe to Off The Porch a show that interviews everybody from the dopest up-and-coming artists, your favorite OGs and legends, street comedians, directors, and other influential people from the culture. And it's brought to you exclusively by Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. And equality. For decades, women have sought equal rights and opportunities in every aspect of their lived experiences, work, education, family, and all things concerning their reproductive health. The struggle has been real. Thankfully, there have been significant strides made towards gender equality in sports. From soccer to basketball, momentum in women's athletics is at an all-time high. 
25 years after the launch of the WNBA, the league is soaring to new heights after raising $75 million from investors. State Farm showed its ever-growing support for women's empowerment by presenting the WNBA draft on ESPN. It saw a 20% ratings increase, crossing yet another milestone for women's sports. The 26th season of the WNBA is primed to be the biggest and baddest yet. So the question is, will it pay off? Will fans' excitement about the game translate into more earnings for women athletes? We're here at Mohegan Sun Arena, home of the Connecticut Sun, to chop it up with the Bahamian icon. Last season, she won WNBA's Most Valuable Player, led an international team to victory, and established herself as the best women's basketball player on the planet. I'm talking about number 35, John Quell Jones. Describe the moment you first fell in love with basketball. I was probably five. I remember going with my dad to um, his basketball practice. He was a high school coach at the time. I mean, like, telling them to keep their hands up on defense, how to slide their feet, like, how to shoot the ball. I fell in love with basketball, just being around my dad and how much he loved the game and, and how much he was giving back um, to, to younger kids with the game. How has basketball transformed your life? Got a college education for free. I've traveled all over the world. I played in Korea, I played in China, played in Russia, Turkey, Europe, just you name it, I've probably been there, Japan. Basketball has definitely been um, an avenue and has opened up many doors for me, and so even things that I just never never expected. Jonquil, you've gone from most improved to most valuable player in a span of four years. What drives you to be the best at your craft and talk about the interim of that time where you were grinding to where you are now? The thing that drives me is just the love for the game, right? So ever since I was a little kid, it's, it's always been there. Like, basketball doesn't feel like a job to me. Just, it's yeah. fun. And the second thing would probably be that I feel like I just haven't fulfilled my potential. There are so many different things that I know that I can do in the basketball court and so many different ways that I know that I can elevate my game. And you don't want to walk away from something and, and know that you could have put in more effort and, right. and been better, and, and you didn't do that. So I never want that regret. I always want to feel like I, like I put my best foot forward. During the WNBA offseason, you play overseas for Russia. Where do you play in Russia, and tell us why. Yeah, so I play for a team in Russia called UMMT Ekaterinburg. It's in the city of Ekaterinburg. The team has been one of the top teams in EuroLeague for a long time, so a lot of a lot of greats have played there, from uh, Diana Taurasi to um, Penny Taylor. I go over there during the offseason because um, they play us really, really well. The money that I make overseas is just is not even comparable to what I make in the WNBA. From a financial standpoint, it allows me to just be able to provide more for myself, my family, and, and for my future. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the reason why I go over there. Where do you think things stand as it pertains to gender equality in sports? I feel like it's moving in the right direction, but I also feel like we have a very long way to go. And I think it's our responsibility to talk about it and have conversations like this to help drive it and you know push the narrative and get it out there to more people because the more you speak about it, the more um, attention you bring to the situation mm -hmm. and you know the more you allow people to come in to kind of change and, and, and help facilitate that change. The NBA, Disney Network, and Google have teamed up to broadcast and stream up to 52 WNBA games this season. Do you think this will help increase women's basketball's fan base and in turn increase the athletes' pay? Most definitely. Like they always say, if you can see it, you can be it. If you can see it, you can believe it. And so there's a lot of young girls out there that 
you know, probably haven't seen a WNBA game. They're going to have the opportunity now on different platforms to be able to see it. And um, that's a huge thing. And just a general fan, too, they're going to be able to, you know, view our product and see what it is we're bringing to the table and, you know, become fans of the game. And so it allows us to to grow the game and, and reach more people. I'm definitely excited about it. I know as a little kid in the Bahamas, I, I probably saw one WNBA game and I remember watching yeah. it and saying, like, what is this, like? Is this college? Like, I really didn't understand it. And then as I watched it, they talked about the WNBA, and I was like, I didn't even know this existed. Like, I'm on the court thinking, like, I'm about to be the first um, female in the NBA. Like, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the <laughs> right. first. Like, I didn't know right. we had our own league. Can you describe the sports you're seeing where things are actually improving when it comes to gender equality? The biggest one that really stands out to me is women's soccer. Just seeing that they've been able to make things equal and pay the women equal um, compared to the men or on the same level as the men. And so um, I think that's a huge first step. I really hope that USA Basketball in particular um, will do the same thing for their women's team because when you look at the success of both the men's and women's um, basketball teams, USA, they have been able to just really play at a high level and win gold medal after gold medal for a very long time. And so I think the women of USA Basketball definitely deserve that. And hopefully it can get to the point where all women's sports can be treated the same way as the men. And um, I think it's going to make a huge difference. Raquel, how have you seen the league changed since you got in here? I've definitely seen uh, things transform um, for the better. With our new collective bargaining agreement, the players are able to make more money and, you know, that's moving in the right direction. But I do feel like we can make the same percentages as our male counterparts. And I think that's where the, the message say, is lost in translation is because every time we talk about um, equality and pay in the WNBA, they compare us to the NBA, but that's not essentially what we're saying. We understand that our league is not making the same type of money as the NBA. That's just, it is what it is. But we want the same type of percentages in how we're being paid as players and versus what the league is taking as revenue. I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, when we get to that point where um, the players can receive the same percentages as, as the NBA players in, in the league, then um, I think we'll be definitely there. Equal pay for equal work. Exactly. How important for you is it to be a role model for young women athletes? extremely important to me. I wanted to be somebody that I needed when I was growing up and I'm in a position now where I can be that but also want to just share my story with them and let them know that there's ebbs and flows and the path isn't linear. I haven't always been a starter in my career. You know, now I am, but there's so much so much that goes into into being an MVP and being an all-star or just being even a, a player in the WNBA. And so um, I think it's important to be able to be a real a real role model to them and um, to talk to them about, about things like that and not just about the, the destination, but about the journey. Jean-Claude, yeah. thank you so much for your time, for your transparency, for speaking up and lending your voice to something so much bigger than yourself. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you, John Claude Jones, for making quite an impression after joining the State Farm team and co-starring in a new commercial spot alongside Atlanta Hawks guard Trey Young and Dalek Mavericks center Boban Marjanovic. We look forward to seeing you conquer the court this season. For JJ, her reach is taking her to new heights. We'll be right back with our Revolutionary of the Week.
Now, before we go, we shine a spotlight on a serious grind and an organization that's helping the next generation of black excellence through financial freedom and entrepreneurship. That's why we've named Lorenzo Gordon, the founder of Hustle Print, as this week's Revolutionary of the Week. I'm Charles Williams. I'm from Richmond, Virginia. Hi, I'm RJ Comer. I'm from Montgomery, Alabama, and I am a humble hustler. Welcome to the movement. Hustler is somebody that really is committed, somebody that's accountable, somebody that's dedicated, and they also understand that it's not an overnight process. Seeds planted to tackle a deep-rooted issue, generational wealth. And throughout Lorenzo's self-taught entrepreneurial spirit, his Atlanta-based operation is setting young minds on a path to success. Most minorities or other races, they usually have the blueprint handed to them. And I feel in our community, we just typically don't have that generational wealth. And so that's what we're basically building here at Hustle Print. And we do that by exposing them to our diverse pool of businessmen and businesswomen for just guidance, financial literacy, resources, entrepreneurship, but then overall, like showing them that it's possible. Zoe, as he's known, and his team reimagined a business mentorship blueprint for young men across the country. It's part hustle. A lot of hard work and effort. Here's to the next generation of Black excellence. We feel there's a lot of organization and programs that's teaching young men how to be great workers. But here at Hustle Print, we focus on teaching young men how to be hustlers in business. Because we really focus on young men from undeserved communities, and we're showing them that it's possible. The road to making it big in business is not as easy as it looks on the gram. With Hustle Print as their hub, these young men are gaining the knowledge they need to become the true future bosses of business. So far, we've already helped over 20 young men start their own LLC here in the state of Georgia. So to see these young men literally come in with just an idea, turning it into a reality by just putting in the work and then actually legalizing their business too in that next step, it's just it's exciting. Gordon's personal experience inspired him to debunk the discouraging misconceptions that young people face as they prepare to navigate the harsh realities of building a business. I am a self-taught businessman. Um, I started my company back in 2017. When I realized the beginning steps, it wasn't as challenging as many people kind of made it out to be. And so from there, I knew there was something that needed to be done for the next generation. During a time when our communities nationwide are in need of security and safety, Lorenzo believes that staying on the right path and away from crime is top priority. You know, over the past few years, we've seen like a spike in crime. And with, with many teens involved, like I wanted to create a solution that pretty much that can speak to that overwhelming need. And that's what Hustle Print came in. And that's why we feel it's so crucial for our community and specifically for our young brothers. The grind doesn't stop. Their mission is to create heavy hitters in business, one hustler at a time. When we think of hustlers, we think of somebody that's willing to go above and beyond to turn their dreams to reality. Absolutely. So inspiring to see somebody affecting real change for the up and coming generation. Well, that does it for us. We'll see you next time. Later.
What's up, world? It's your boy, Big Court, from the Holding Court Podcast. If you're a fan of authentic interviews with legendary artists and notable people in the culture, subscribe to the Holding Court Podcast. See, we a show that cover artist interviews, hip-hop culture, lifestyle, and current topics. <laughs> we got the D-Boys and the B-Boys. See, ACP is where the streets and black excellence meet. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.